Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Men are not big, hairy women. They look at the world through an entirely different lens in many ways than women do. Women think often that their man, why doesn't he understand? Why doesn't he get it? He's misbehaving, right? Because they think, what would I do in this circumstance? What would the perfect woman do in this circumstance? And he is not that. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Chris here, your host, and happy Valentine's Day. I am so excited to share this episode with all of you today. Actually, I am so excited to share both this episode and next week's episode with all of you today because today's guest and I got on, started chatting, and realized even before we started recording that we had way more to talk about than could just fit into one episode because we are talking about intimacy. We are talking about intimacy in relationships. We are talking about sexual intimacy. We are talking about all of the things with Debbie Marielle Elzia. She is an intimacy specialist for women, psychotherapist, and founder of More Intimacy, where she coaches women to create loving, sexy relationships, create magic in the bedroom, and become cherished women. So what better day to release this first episode than Valentine's Day? We are talking about everything today from why men are different than women and why we need to stop treating men like big, hairy women and what men really desire from us as women in the bedroom 
bedroom and outside the bedroom. We also talk about how important self-care is in our relationships. We know that self-care is important. We talk about it on the podcast a lot, but she tells us exactly why improving how we take care of ourselves can improve our whole relationship. Everything from the intimacy in our relationship in terms of the connection side of things as well as our sexual bond. So this is definitely not a safe conversation for kids. So if you have kids in the room, at this point, you've probably already put some headphones in. So go fold a lot of laundry or listen to this episode when you have a few moments to yourself later on because we are going to talk about all things intimacy in our relationships, in our sex lives, how to avoid resentment and why this can be a killer for our relationship, why it's important to recognize the difference between men and women and how we can actually leverage and celebrate this difference and how it can transform our relationship, how it can transform our sex lives. You guys, this was such a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to listen to it, and I can't wait for part two. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Debbie on intimacy, sex, and creating a better relationship. Welcome, Debbie. I am so excited to have you on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. This is the perfect timing to talk about relationships and intimacy right around Valentine's Day. I am so grateful to have this conversation with you today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here, Kristen. I know this is going to be such a good conversation, but I love starting with just a fun little icebreaker. So what have you been reading lately? What have I been reading? Okay, so um, I'm always reading books on relationship and sexuality and things like that, but lately for fun, and I've been using it to go to sleep with too on an audiobook. Have you read the Clan of the Cave Bear series about our ancestral hunter gatherers and such? So this is... I do this a lot in my coaching. I refer to male-female differences emanating from the fact that Homo sapiens have existed on the earth for hundreds of thousands of years, our ancestors, as hunter-gatherers. And civilization is only a, a few thousand years old with feminism just being like a blip in our human history. So I'm always, you know, some referring to a lot of the reasons why men and, and women are so different and relate to each other differently is because they have been hunters and warriors and we have been gatherers and nurturers. And so this clan of the Cape bear series series is a fictionalized account of what the, the, the first, the Neanderthals, you know, the cousins of ours, and then the earliest Homo sapiens. And it's a fascinating account. The first book is they made into a movie, Clan of the Cave Bear, with uh, Daryl Hannah. And it's wonderful. And I absolutely recommend it. Now, the second book is weird because it has a little, it has a romance twist, right? And so I love it because of the erotica aspects of it. Because the thought of cavemen and women making mm -hmm. love, having sex, reproducing is so primal that so often I recommend to my clients that they read erotica. So mm. I'm like, okay, now we're really learning about hunter-gatherer lifestyle. It gives me a lot to put into my gratitude journal. Like mm -hmm. I am so grateful. I do not have to freeze to death every winter and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the other things that our ancestors have had to deal with. Uh, and on top of it, there's this, there's this romantic aspect to it because it's darn sexy to think about our cavemen and cavewomen ancestors making love in caves. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. That sounds so fascinating. I love that. 
Oh my gosh. Well, this is a first on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Like I told you before we officially started recording, we're going to be talking about intimacy, relationships, and then in part two, we're going to be talking about sex as well. And we haven't really talked about this on the podcast here in three years of having the podcast. And so I am so excited to dive in because I know that our the health of our relationships, our emotional health, our sexual health, they're all important parts of our health. So before Before we really start diving into all the good stuff, I would love to hear your story. So how did you become an intimacy specialist and why are you so passionate about this work? No pun intended. (laughs) Oh yeah, I am passionate about it. So um, I've had a a number of careers and I was, I was an attorney of all things. And then I was in a long sexless marriage and loveless marriage. I, I picked badly. If you pick badly, you can't really do that much about it. But most of us have actually picked pretty good guys. And even if the quality of the relationship is not what it needs to be, if you know, if you picked a good person that you can, you know, have that has qualities that you admire, respect, uh, and like about that person, you can have a sexy, fulfilling relationship. So, anyways, what I went on to do is um you know, then I was a single mom for a while. And then I married the love of my life. And we discovered sacred sexuality together, which is also known as Tantra, which is a very conscious form of lovemaking. And it was pretty life-changing. So that when I found myself at a career crossroads, my beloved David asked me, what are you interested in? What do you like? And I said, romance, you know, sex, love, you know, helping people stay together. I grew up in a broken home. And um, so many of us, and then I, of course, I, you know, had a broken home um, and such. And I'm like, so many people could just stay together and create wonderful lovingness for their children and things. If they would just get these things, right. These few things, right. You know, that men are not women. We're different that, that the sexual bond is so important in smoothing over so many relationship hurts and things like that. And if you picked a good person and you just treat them kindly, you can be really happy together. So uh, as a romantic, then I pursued, uh, I became a, a psychotherapist in Colorado, but I, I, but I don't use um, therapeutic methods. I use coaching methods that are based in the here and now. If you really need to process your past and your childhood trauma and all kinds of stuff like that, then see a clinician. But if it, most things are communication issues and in the sexuality part of it, it's not that you, you are broken. It's not necessarily that, you know, it, it was because of something that traumatic that happened in your childhood. Female sexuality is complicated for most women, right? It is, it is a challenge because it is, there's so much going on in our heads. It's, and there's so much um, relationship aspects that are impacting it and such. So I always like to say it's, you know, if you're struggling in this area, you are not broken, it is female sexuality and pleasure in couples relationship. It is complex. It's an art, it's a science, and it's a learned skill. So therefore, coaching methods lend themselves perfectly to that, which is empowering, educating, learning skills, mindset chase, uh, shifts, positivity practices, and exploration. So I don't use therapeutic methods. And that's basically um, how I, you know, I help women and my, my business is called More Intimacy. And I deliberately chose that name because when women hear the word intimacy, what, what comes up for you, Chris? I think about connection when you say intimacy. That's, exactly. the, that's the biggest thing, yeah. 
So one of the biggest, uh, which is so common um, that women think about connection and vulnerability and this, this special kind of closeness. Men hear, your husband hear the word intimacy. What do you think he would think? He would probably think sex. Sex, <laughs> exactly. So I, I could... I can say that confidently most men would hear the word intimacy and they'd be like, yes, sex sounds good. <laughs> and women are like, oh, closeness. So it means different things to different people. And how do we meet each other's needs for both physical connection and emotional connection? And that's how I chose the name more intimacy to appeal to both. And I work with the women because I believe that the women have so much power to change one, the dynamics of the relationship and two, so much of the sexual issues actually emanate from within our head, our negative conditioning, our, you know, unfamiliarity with what our body needs, what we need. So it's the woman has so much power to change both the loving dynamic and the sexual dynamic of the relationship that I can actually work with her single-handedly to create more intimacy that she loves and more intimacy that her husband loves all in the same package. Mm, oh, I love that so much. I think one of the most powerful lessons that I've learned just in the past 10 years or 11 years, how long have we been married? 11 years of marriage um, is that you can't change your partner, right? You can change your relationship by changing yourself, but you can't change your partner. And I think that that has been, it's definitely been something where there have been periods of time in my relationship where I'm like, well, if you just do this thing, or if you just change this thing, and I'm sure if my husband was listening, he might listen back to this. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, I know. Hey, you try to change all these things. And I think we've done things together to work on our relationship and to, and made our own individual changes, but trying to force someone else to change is never going to magically transform your relationship, but there's so much that we can do individually. So, oh my gosh, I can't wait to dig into this with you. So what are some of the biggest struggles that you see the women come to you with who you know have issues in their relationship, maybe their relationship as a whole with intimacy, with their sexual bond? What are those big issues that you tend to see? Yeah. So I'll, 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 I've divided um, my coaching into two parts. One has to do with making the relationship, you know, getting rid of conflict. And I think you can get rid of fighting altogether, getting rid of conflict and resentment and replacing it with appreciation and cherishing of each other. So it's uh, intimacy skills based and relating to a man the way a man is so craving that his woman treats him so that he in turn responds in a way that makes him want to please and delight you and be your hero, right? Creating this atmosphere of trust and safety that actually leverages male-female differences instead of the common model today, which is, you know, coming out of therapy school, uh, a therapist is now taught that that is bias, Male-female differences are biased and are to be eliminated. And so I say they are to be celebrated and leveraged. And then the other issue is that women don't experience as much sexual pleasure. So it causes their desire to drop. Uh, they don't, they're not interested in sexuality. They're not experiencing pleasure uh, or vice versa. A lot of times the men have lost interest. So the other focus is focused primarily on the physical bond. So we have the relationship bond and intimacy and the physical bond as two separate uh, directions that, that the coaching usually takes. And there's a big overlap. Mm, yeah, I can, I know just from 
our own relationship and the struggles that we've had over the past decade or so that they are, there is such a big overlap. And I love that you work on both of those areas because I think it can be really easy to either think that we have an issue with our sex lives and completely overlook the relationship aspect of things, or we go to counseling or I can even, I know I, I asked my husband before we recorded this episode, what he was comfortable with me sharing. And he was like, eh, it should be fine. So I, we have gone to counseling in the past and it was actually not great for our relationship. It was, it was actually, if anything, if anything, it didn't, make any positive difference, but it almost hurt our relationship too, just because of the, the approach. And it was, I think it was just the wrong therapist for us. And the approach was just not a positive one. (laughs) Um, And I won't go into that in detail, but we thought that, you know, we were going to go to counseling and it was just going to fix things and it was going to be good. And it, it didn't make a difference. And I think approaching things from both sides of things, both aspects, I think is, is so huge. And so I love this work that you do. So I know that relationships can feel extra strained, especially when we are moms, especially in those early days of parenting or early years of parenting, not early days, but early years of parenting. So I guess what are what are your first tips when it comes to, or for the women listening, when it comes to having a, a closer relationship and having a, you talked about relationships free of conflict. Tell me more. <laughs> what are the first things that we can do to create more intimacy in our relationship and to improve some of those areas? Yeah. Um, so one of the the first aspects that I help women with is how to bring your best self to your relationship. And because if we are stressed, if we are overwhelmed, if we are unhappy, then our man would have to be a magician to make us happy and turn us on, right? We have largely responsibility for our own well-being and happiness. Are we taking care of ourselves are, or are we letting ourselves get run down? Are we focusing on the negative or do we have gratitude for the, all of the, the great things and the blessings we have in our life? Um, are, you know, so, so the folk, one of the focuses would be what can you do to show up happier in your life? And so we work with things like gratitude practices, self care, getting the support we need, maybe getting some more things, getting things off our plate so that we are not feeling so overwhelmed. Um, there's many things that we can do to show up happier. And here's the magical part, Kristen, when we show up happier and in a good mood, our man is magnetically drawn to us, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. He married us because when we were, you know, courting and such, we, we were able to be pleased by him. (laughs) He, men marry women that they feel like they can make happy. So when we start to show up, we start to look at the glass half full and not focus on his flaws, and I'm not happy, so it must be you, that changes the dynamic and makes him want to be with us, want to please us. It teaches him what we need to be happy too. So it totally improves the dynamic of the relationship. And that is just, you know, the first, first part. Mm. Oh my gosh, it makes so much sense, but it seems so simple. And so many of us as moms just really, we talk about this in the podcast a lot, the self-care aspect. We 
convince ourselves that we don't have enough time to take care of ourselves, that we're just destined to be stressed and overwhelmed because we have these tiny humans we need to take care of. And we have the laundry and the dishes and the putting food on the table and work or whatever we have going on in our lives. And then our relationships suffer. And we're like, either it's something's wrong with them or, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. Or is this just it? Is this the end? And it's like, well, if you started by just taking care of ourselves enough to show up in that way, that is happy. And it makes so much sense when you said that. I'm thinking about, you know, my my husband and I have been together for 11 years and well, we've been together for 13, but we've been married for 11 years. And those first, you know, couple of years together, we were just having fun all the time. We were in college. We didn't have a ton of responsibilities. And Mm -hmm those great conversations we had, those fun times we had together, that was what drew us to each other. And so much of that can feel lost when we have young children, but bringing that back, it makes sense. We've got to start with us and we've got to start with taking care of ourselves. So I really like that. Yeah. Not only is self-care not frivolous, it is so important to your relationship. Your man will thank you for it because you show up more cheerful and more likely to be in your sensual feminine side right? So I'll, I'll help you with self-care that double, I'm, I'm a big multitasker. So I'm like double duty self-care. I'm like, I help you with things that also increase your sexual sensual sensuality, not just your relaxation, but I'll even, my clients will even do these self-care things that they can do with their kids, right? We've invented things that can even involve the kids. So it's like, you know, there's so many ways that you can, you can take care of yourself so that you show up, you know, more receptive, more open to, to loving. And then you view because your sex life is also improving your, your enjoyment. And I usually, I like to say, make love. In fact, let me start, you know, eliminating the word sex from my vocabulary, because I I usually like to prefer and get my clients to, you know, refer to it as making love. Mm. Um, You are, when you are more likely to make love, you are, you know, you increasing your your physical bond with your man, you're getting more of the endorphins and oxytocin and happiness hormones. And you're not going to view it as a chore, but as a treat, you know, (laughs) something that is not one more thing on your list, but that is something that you really enjoy. Mm, Yes. Yeah. I know how many of us have been in the place where we feel like it is just another thing on our list because we're so tired already. (laughs) So what are, what are some of those things that you recommend then to the woman who's listening? Some of those little self-care things they can do to take care of themselves, but that'll also help to improve their sensuality or even some of those things that you recommend that they could do with their kids. Sure. So we would brainstorm because self-care and doing things you enjoy looks different for every woman, right? So we might brainstorm like 10, 20 different things that she could do everything from, you know, exercising, which has does, does like triple duty because it boosts your mood and, and uh, makes you feel more confident about your body, get your blood moving endorphins. So something to do with movement, with nature, with, you know, really enjoying your time with your little ones. Um, You'll come, you would come up with your own and your coach would largely help hold, hold, hold you accountable. Are you doing these? Um, so in their fun things that you enjoy in the moment, not just because you should be doing them. Uh, so, so some of the things that my clients end up doing with their children are, are like tantric eye gazing. So in, we do a practice in Tantra, which is called soul gazing, which is a really just like looking into the eyes of your beloved 
but there's nothing to stop you from doing this with your child. Your child is also your beloved. And it's just a very loving thing to do is connect through the eyes through and and just relaxing and breathing. And you call it with your kids, you call it a staring contest, right? (laughs) To get them interested. Or we do a meditation, which is called a smiling meditation, where you bring smiles all over your body. So we can adjust them to like age central, but these are nice coping mechanisms as kids grow up with so stressed out nowadays. So, so that's just some examples, but you know, again, every woman's different coaching is one-on-one. So it's what works for you? What do you enjoy? How can we get more of this in your life? And, um, and mindful practices too are, are helping in that area. So being in the present, not so much worried about what's going to happen in the future and ruminating about what happened in the past, but grounding yourself more in, wow, this present moment, I feel really safe. I feel good. Things are good. Let's focus on that. Mm, yeah. Oh, so important. That's actually one of my goals for this new year is to focus on presence. It can be so easy to be distracted by the future, by the past, by, you know, what you're going to be doing tomorrow and and not be present. And I know that my husband is gone often because he's a sailor. That's his job. And so he travels a lot. So I live in New England and uh, he gets to travel down to Florida, you know, a few times during the winter, which is great, but we're apart often. And my kids are both in school at least a few times a week. And so our time together is limited. And so when I find myself distracted, when we're all together, either when my husband and I are together and we're sitting on the couch and we're both on our phones or, you know, I'm with my kids for the few, you know, couple of hours that I get to see them each day and I'm distracted. I'm like, no, I want to bring back that presence. And I think even just coming to the present moment for me and reminding myself to be in the present moment is does feel intimate, does feel more connected with my husband, with my kids, just that simple act. So I really like that. Yeah, I see. we have a, this competition now going on with screens, right? There's always mm-hmm. a, a screen with this nonstop competition for each other's attention. And so just as a, a little tip, my husband and I will only watch any kind of television. It, one thing, we don't have any TV in our bedroom or in our living room even. We have this it's in the basement down in a room and we have to consciously agree on what we will watch beforehand before we even head down there. So we really only end up watching a program like once every week or two, because we never agree on the same thing. You know, I don't like action CGI and all that stuff, you know, so it's like so limited what we would potentially watch. So we consciously make a decision. Is this worth two hours of our time? Is it worth the other alternatives, which, you know, we make love a lot, right? So, so that's often what becomes our default is making love and connecting in conversation because we're, we make a conscious decision to decide whether the screen time is worth it. Mm, yes. Oh my gosh. How much, how much more would you feel like you actually had the time to make love if you did put down your phones, if you did put down or turn off that TV. We don't tend to watch a lot of TV either, especially because we have we have one TV and we don't have one in our bedroom anymore. We had one that uh, friends gave us that ended up just sitting in our bedroom like unused for an entire year. And we're like, we need to give it away because we don't even use it, thankfully. But our phones tend to be the thing that we end up, end up going into at night. And then we've definitely had the conversation where it's like, I've been sitting across from you for two hours and we haven't said anything to each other. Like this does not feel so. Um, we've talked about, my husband and I have talked about the love languages before and kind of try to figure out our love languages. And I've kind of determined that my main love language is quality time. And I've had mm-hmm. to say to him, 
this is this does not feel like quality time. You are sitting there, I'm sitting here, but there's nothing quality about this. It's just time right. that's going by, but we're and we happen to be in the same room, but it's not the same as really connecting. And so I think, yeah, screens and all of that can very much get in the way of our intimacy. I can even see that in our in our own marriage or in my own marriage where it can get yeah. in the way. I've got my uh, a client now and she is reading erotica with her husband in the evenings. Oh, that's they're fun. Like, they're like reading a romance stories together. He's really into it. Not every, it's not every guy is going to love yeah. that. But, but reading together is an intimate thing compared to, you know, sc- looking at screens, obviously. Yeah. My husband makes fun of me because my one of my favorite ways to escape is to read like romantic comedies, like very easy read, but fun romance novels. And I don't know. I'm not sure if he'd be into that, but we could try. Oh, yeah. <laughs> read the sex scenes aloud to him. Absolutely. Yeah. See, he would probably prefer that as to the rest of it. (laughs) He doesn't need to use the rest of it yet. Relate to your man the way a man wants to be related. Women, we are suckers for romance. That's the way we're made. That men shouldn't blame us because we are made to be suckers for romance, right? And we crave intimate connection before we want to make love. A man, on the other hand, we can't blame him for the way he's made either because Mm -hmm. most men are wired to be Procreate, right? Our caveman selves procreate. The survival of the species depends on him having sex, right? So we can't blame him for the way he's made. So give him the sexy parts, (laughs) read the romance parts yourself. You know, and this uh, this will also stop you from this ro- this sex intimacy conundrum that a lot of couples fall on themselves in. They find themselves in sex starved or st- sexless, loveless marriages because she is waiting to be romanced and courted and seduced and things like that. But he is not in the mood for that because he is feeling deprived of sex. Mm. Right. So, but once a man is regularly made love to. He's a heck of a lot nicer to be around. He's looking for ways to please you, right? His love tank is filled often sexually through sex. And sometimes this is reverse. This is like, uh, you know, this is not always on male, female gender lines, but for one person, they need their sex tank filled before they feel loving and romantic. And the other one is waiting for love, romance, and connection before they even think about getting turned on. Well, Mm -hmm. somebody needs to go first. And if the person is coaching with me and is a woman, I'm like, Well, let's go first, you know, let's be open to possibilities, especially because for most females, our sex drive is there. We might not be running around horny like men do, like, because they feel it more like a hunger. Again, don't hate your man for the way he's made. He feels it more, you know, he feels sexually almost more, you know, more of a drive than we do. We don't usually feel that spontaneously horny, except when we're ovulating Mm -hmm. and, um, And so we feel more like the need for connection and such, but if we open up his heart, you know, center by being, you know, his sexy girlfriend, he's much more likely to romance us and give us the emotional connection. Look at the way he is after we make love, right? Isn't he usually Mm -hmm. more vulnerable, tender, loving? There you go. We just got to sometimes go first. Mm, Yeah. Oh, I love that you called us their sexy girlfriend. Because I don't think of myself as my husband's girlfriend. I think of myself as my husband's wife. And so I think even that little shift in mindset can be really powerful for the woman listening. It's like, okay, maybe you think back to when you were boyfriend, girlfriend, like we were talking about earlier. And like, how would you act 
when you were boyfriend, girlfriend versus, you know, now maybe you've been married for, you know, us over a decade (laughs) and, and bringing that back. And I think it can be difficult though, to go first, especially, you know, for the women who feel like they don't have that desire, especially because they do have those little kids running around. I've heard from a lot of mom friends, um, that they oftentimes feel like touched what are they, what is the phrase that touched they use? Out. Like touched, touched out. out? Yes. Where they've been touched like touched. Yeah. So what, mm-hmm. what kind of tips do you have for that in terms of maybe increasing intimacy in our relationship kind of overall? So we're more receptive to that, more receptive to going first. Yeah. So one thing to be aware of is that for most women, our desire is responsive and not spontaneous. Like I said, it was not felt like a hunger, like, gee, I really want sex right now. No, we don't really, we rarely feel that. But do you ever notice, Kristen, how if you surrender to it and you allow your husband to make love to you, you frequent more often than not, you get into it and you actually enjoy it. And you're like, I'm glad I did that. You're nodding your head. So it's a podcast. So I'm like going to say, you're nodding your head. <laughs> I am, yes. <laughs> because most, most of us do feel that way. So that is very normal for the female gender. So the point is to be then open to it and know that, you know what, I'm not in the, in the mood right now, you know, if you, but I know I can be. Mm-hmm. So be open to being seduced or better yet, even set the context yourself. I'll tell you just yesterday, I'll give an example. Um, Sundays, my husband and I spend an hour to three hours making love because we are tantric practitioners and tantric is sick, sacred, conscious sexuality, very slow um, connected form of lovemaking. And I teach my clients this too. So I was disappointed. I was having a bad day. There's some stuff going on in, um, health wise in, in our family. And also, um, I had signed up for this tantric workshop. It was virtual and I found it to be so annoying, which I find most tantric workshops I've discovered now. I'm like, you know what? They're mostly so annoying <laughs> <laughs> and th- because they don't focus on sex. They call it tantric, but then there's no emphasis on sex because it's like, oh, tantric is a spiritual path. And I'm like, show me the sex. Otherwise, why don't we just be go to Buddhism, right? <laughs> I mean, this is what attracts us to it. And then yet there was no sexual content in it. And every single word of it was translated into French, which I found super annoying. So it was like English, French, I mean, it was so tedious, right? Right. So I was frustrated that that was the thing. And then I was like, it was sacred sex Sunday. So I'm like, oh, I'm annoyed about this. I'm worried about some of the other things, but I was like, you know what, because we know that this is Sunday and this is our day to spend extended time making love. I'm just going to do it. Right. And of course I, you know, it was wonderful. I loved it. I fell more in love with my husband. You know, every time we do, I feel like so grateful and so loving to my husband. So there is the benefit of prioritizing and scheduling lovemaking and having something that you look forward to, right? Instead, there's nothing wrong with planning and prioritizing lovemaking because then you can get it just right on top of it. Because if you, if you just wait for it to be spontaneous, for one thing, it's rarely going to happen. You are both exactly in the mood at the same time. And the kids are, you know, tucked away doing something or at somebody else's house and the laundry is folded and put away because it's really going to bug you if it's sitting there. Right. And the sheets are clean or whatever it is, that's going to bug you and take you out of your sexiness. Um, if you don't plan it. So mm. there is nothing wrong with planning lovemaking. It, it ensures, you know, that you're going to get what you enjoy and anticipation is also an aphrodisiac. Mm. So there's, there's nothing but advantages to that, 
to making sure the kids are not are taken care of and not going to come barging in to making sure that everybody's, you know, feeling clean and showered and sexy and the room isn't set in a nice context. There is nothing wrong with that. This stuff about that it should just be spontaneous and we rip each other's clothes off. That is for the early stages in the, in the relationship when we are really hormonally driven towards procreation, basically, our instincts are telling mm -hmm. us to do that. And it doesn't last more than a year or two. So if that has fallen off, a lot of good couples break up at that stage because they think that the passion is gone, but that kind of passion is almost impossible to sustain. You need to switch to a lovemaking model. Mm, oh my gosh. That's so, it's so interesting and it makes so much sense. But I think our society tells us that we're supposed to stay in that phase, that we are supposed to stay in this rip each other's clothes off sort of stage forever. And it just, it feels impossible. I think for, for most, not, I shouldn't generalize, not most women, but for a lot of women, you're the expert. You, you you hear from the women for a lot of women. And so I think, yeah, there is that pressure to feel that spontaneous desire, just understanding that women are more responsive. And I can completely relate to the like, having the pile of laundry. You can't see my pile of laundry that I have over here. I think I mentioned that in another recent podcast episode. I'm like, yep, still there. Um, but that would probably distract me too. <laughs> so actually getting that, you know, getting your environment into the right place, getting your mindset into the right space. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely see that being helpful. And so, but I think scheduling things has the, I don't know, not, not necessarily reputation, but for, for being unsexy and not appealing. But when you can get yourself into the right place, it makes so much sense that that would be the exact opposite. It would really, really help the moment. Exactly. Because there's the, there's the, relaxation aspect of it. And the best lovemaking for women comes from a place of relaxation mm. and safety, meaning arousal, which is what turns you on. So not only are we often coming into a sexual experience when we are not relaxed and feeling safe and comfortable, but we also don't necessarily know what turns us on particularly, what kind of touch, what kind of scenario, what kind of you know, words and things like that. If we don't know ourselves, how the heck is a man who never has inhabited a woman's body, who doesn't know what's going on in your head at any given time or what you need, how is he supposed to provide this for you if we don't know ourselves what turns us on? Mm, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And we just expect them to know, right? <laughs> like they're a magician. You're yeah. like, they, they should know. They don't know what a female body's experience is like and what this particular woman's experience is like. Plus, let's face it, Kristen, what we need changes all the time. What yeah. turned us on five years ago is not the same as this year. What turned us on last month is not the same as now. Even at the beginning of this lovemaking session, we wanted this, but now we don't want that. We want something else, but we don't <laughs> know what. <laughs> it's, we are oh my fickle. God. Yeah, no, it's really funny. I've actually, I had this conversation with my husband recently um, and he told me I could say whatever I want. So we're just going for it. We had this conversation recently where, I mean, we, we had a perfectly fine experience, um, but he was like, and I, I think I mentioned something um, about wanting to do something differently next time. And he was like, I just don't know what you want. It seems like it's always changing. I'm like, it is always changing because I am always changing. He's like, it feels like it's different from like five years ago. I'm like, it is different from five years ago. It's normal that we change and we have different five years ago. I only had one kid, you know, 
nine years ago, I didn't have any kids. My body was different. My desires are different and that's okay. And he was like, okay, well then we just got to figure it out. And thankfully he is very flexible and he would rather have sex than not have sex. And so we just kind of have, now we have a conversation about it for a long time in our relationship. It wasn't a conversation. It was just a frustration. So now it's more of a conversation, but recognizing that, you know, things are different now than they might've been before is really powerful and going, it's okay that things are a little bit different and that I might like different things. He might like different things. And so I think that, that I'm sure that's really helpful for the woman who's listening to hear that it's okay if we want different things now than we used to. And so many women and and men, they don't have conversations about sexuality at all. It's awkward, right? Mm -hmm. So having coaching normalizes talking about sex. Yeah. Uh, for one thing. And then it also helps you explore what it is that you might want, because, you know, most of the time it's like, I don't want that, but I don't know what I want. Right. But I just know it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's a guy to do, right? How's, how's he to know? And most guys are adventurous. If we set the, if we set the tone that we are explorers together, we are partners. We want to make love. We want to connect. We want to have a good time. And it takes the pressure off because we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, just because I, I suggest something is not the way to don't take it personally. Like it's a criticism. Mm, yeah. Right? We're, it, it, we're explorers and we create this safety atmosphere of play and love. Mm-hmm. So that, that takes away this aspect of criticism, right? We people get sensitive, like you're not doing it right. Ooh, you know, that can cause a wall to be put up between you. How mm-hmm. do we build build down walls. And sometimes these walls are built during the day, you know, not even in the bedroom. There's, if you come into the, if you come in with resentment in your head and things like that, either one of you is probably not going to go that well. So, you know, you have both aspects inside and outside the bedroom. What's the emotional connection? Like what's the communication like inside and outside the bedroom? Mm, So what are some of those things that we can do then to, avoid that resentment to improve that communication throughout the day. So it does lead us to, well, to the bedroom in the first place, and then to having a good experience in the bedroom. Right. Well, I, um, I emphasize that men are not, men are not big, hairy women. They look at the world through an entirely different lens in many ways than women do. Women think often that their man, why doesn't he understand? Why doesn't he get it? He's misbehaving, right? Because they think, what would I do in this circumstance? What would the perfect woman do in this circumstance? And he is not that. So we have to understand that. And, and what does a man crave outside the bedroom almost more than anything? Do, can you guess it before I say it? What does your What does a man crave from his woman outside the bedroom more than anything else? Well, so I can only speak from having one long-term relationship, um, but from what we've discovered just working together on our relationship, for my husband, he, for him, like validation, words of affirmation, that's really powerful for him. And then he also likes physical touch, non-sexual physical touch too. So that's what we've experienced. Um, I don't know for other men though, because I only know my man. (laughs) Yeah, it falls under, and I bet this, I bet this would, maybe he doesn't, um, those fall, those are like, those are, what are they, manifestations of respect. Yeah, what okay. men crave is respect mm. from their, from their women, respect, appreciation, being seen as competent and capable and strong. All of that falls under kind of the respect umbrella. So what can women start doing? Stop doing things that in a man's eyes are disrespect. 
And can you imagine what they are? Nagging is number one. Because it says you are not a capable man. I don't trust you to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and nagging, criticizing, and they really cut to the core and become cause them to build kind of a wall, right? Men's men do not wear their feelings on their sleeve the way women do. Like we connect with women to go, we go out and we look each other in the eye and we talk about our feelings and this and that. I mean, can you see your guy? Hey, Joe, you want to go grab a cup of tea and talk about our feelings? No, not in man's world, right? They are much more guarded. We have to earn our way in to get to to that soft, vulnerable spot of theirs. And by being critical, um, nagging and other emasculating behavior like mothering, let's face it, if we act like our man's mother, that is such a turnoff on both sides. It kills off the erotic. We don't want to have sex with our kid, right? And they don't want to have sex with their mother. So it kills off desire. So women inadvertently, and because, you know, it, it's not our it's not our fault. It's largely conditioning and it's natural that we want things done our way and such that we tend to either nag, criticize or mother. So just stopping that just being aware of it and thinking twice and stopping that is like, hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) You know, your man was like, the note, the dynamic is so noticeable and so quickly. And men typically don't hold a grudge either. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And all of these things are so normalized in our society as like the woman is just going to nag the man until the man does what she wants to do. And I can imagine that building up that resentment and creating that wall. And I know that this is definitely, definitely a struggle that we've had in our relationship as well, especially when myself as, you know, I am the primary caregiver of our kids most of the time, just because of the nature of his job and going away often and not being around as much. And he's a fantastic help when he's here. The kids love him. He's, he's, awesome at helping out with the kids. He's very hands-on. Um, same thing around the house. When he's here, he's really good at helping take care of. Um, I'm a recipe developer as well. So uh, he will help me clean the dishes. He'll do all of those things, right? But there's still that, you know, we've still had that struggle of, well, I'm still here more than you are. And so we've had to get to that place where we've had this conversation about like, I can only do much so much while I'm here. And if he's constantly feeling like he's not doing enough, and I'm constantly feeling like he's not doing enough. We get to that place of kind of resentment. Uh, he gets to go away and gets a break from the kids. And I'm stuck here doing all this stuff. And every time he's here, he feels like he has to, you know, try and do all of the things to make up for the time he's away. And that's been really difficult in in our relationship and something we've had to like constantly, not not constantly, but consistently work on. Um finding ways to work through that resentment. And that has been really powerful in our relationship is being really intentional about avoiding that resentment from each other and just respecting each other's roles and our just life as a whole being different than some other people and not comparing ourselves to other people. But it is really hard to not get into that pattern. (laughs) Right, right. And um, it is, I, I, Ironically, you'll get more help from your husband when you don't nag and nitpick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you just are like appreciating that he's what he's doing is good enough. Maybe it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but if we step in and we micromanage and say you didn't do it right, like to our standards, then he's not going to be coming around and doing it more. If you say thank you so much for doing <laughs> this, 
I appreciate it. He's going to look for ways to please you. He's going to look for ways to get gratitude from you because men love your appreciation. They want to make you happy. So the more you show that you are appreciating all the stuff that he does do and you notice it and you look, look for it, the more he will want to do for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where that appreciation, those like words of affirmation come in. Like he finds them really powerful. And I think for a long time he was wanting that and I wasn't giving it to him. I was just like, well, we're both doing the things we're supposed to do. And the kids don't like thank me for wiping their bums or putting their lunch on the table. They just sort of expect it. And but no, he when he really came to me and was like, I really appreciate when you just say thank you for doing these things, or you don't tell me I did the dishes wrong. You just say, thanks for doing the dishes or, you know, loaded the dishwasher wrong. Cause we load the dishwasher different ways, but it's fine. It doesn't matter because the dishes got done and that does help our connection. I noticed that yeah, very much. So when we are, you know, at least being more appreciative of each other instead of um, yeah, instead of that nagging and that you didn't do it the right way. Yeah. When I, when I help women to understand that and actually hold them account accountable for doing so, their relationships shift in weeks. I mean, within a week to like a three weeks, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe how well that worked. <laughs> yeah. And I love that, you know, these things are, they're doable, right? It is just, it's working on the way that you are talking with your husband, the way that you are with your husband. And, and it's what we can do. It's not like things that we're trying to do to change our husband. It's like, oh, I am just going to show I work with. Yeah. Many of the women I work with, their husbands do not know that they are working with me. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they don't just... need to know. They don't yeah. need to know. They, they have turned their marriages around from being on the verge of divorce. And the husband doesn't even know. He just notices the wife is showing up like his girlfriend again. Like mm-hmm. I, I say, be your husband's girlfriend. Remember how you were when you were, you know, when, when you wanted him to fall in love with you and put a ring on you? Were you nitpicking him? Were you critical or were you like, oh my God, you're, you're so smart. You're so capable, right? Were you looking at the bright side of things instead of the, the negatives and it changes everything. Yeah. And these aren't crazy hard things to do. I know it can feel hard sometimes because mom life is, is hard a lot of the time. It just is. And we can't get around that. It's exhausting sometimes, and it feels like, well, I can't just, oh, I've got one more thing to focus on, but it is really just the catching yourself, right? And going, okay, he's helping, just let him help that, you know, and thank you so much for doing this. Those little things, if they can make that much of a difference, we can all, we can all transform our, our relationships, right? <laughs> Mama sets the tone of the whole family. Even your kids will be happier when, you know, mom and dad are not fighting and they're just getting along in harmony. Yes. Yeah. So something else I just want to touch on a little bit more, and you've already talked about this, um, but I find it really fascinating because we talked about this from the very beginning um, when you're talking about the book you're reading and you were just talking about it in terms of like the number one thing that men desire from women is respect. Right. So, well, in terms of in terms of our relationship is respect outside the bedroom, outside the bedroom. Yes. So uh, you- we can go into what they desire inside the bedroom. Can you guess what the number one thing that men desire inside the bedroom is? Oh, I don't know. They want to feel desired by their woman. Mm, Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. They want to to feel like you are having a good time too, that you are not just putting out for their sake, but you want them too. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. It does. 
Because I, yeah, I can understand the the woman who's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your advice, Debbie, and I'm gonna do it, even though I don't feel like I'm all that excited about it. I know I'll probably get into it once we start going, but that feeling still of needing to get into that place of wanting to do it and that responsive desire, I can understand maybe coming off as <laughs> maybe you're not as into it and then that affecting it. And that makes so much sense that the man is just wants you to feel like you're into the it Christian, too. It all works together. In my coaching, it all works together because one, you are showing up less stressed and happier. And two, you are looking at the positives in your husband Mm-hmm. And seeing his him as that strong, capable man that you fell in love with again because he is still there. So you are increasing your your responsiveness, your wanting to be physical, and your attraction to him. Mm-hmm. By looking at him through these eyes, you are more attracted to him. So you are also increasing your desire. Plus, we simultaneously work on getting you the kind of sex that actually turns you on. Mm-hmm. So problem solved. Yes. Yeah. It all works together. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there are so many more things I can ask you and we're actually going to do a part two and we're going to talk specifically on the six or now you've added seven Seven. things that women need. And so we're going to dig into that even more in our second episode, but I want to talk just a little bit about, or a little bit more about this male female difference and how we can leverage it. I know you talk about the number one thing that men need is respect outside the bedroom, in the bedroom, they want that desire. But how can we celebrate this difference as males and females in our relationship? Because it is true that we're different, but I think there's this expectation that we're supposed to act the same way. We're supposed to want the same thing. And so you've brought this up a few times during our conversation, but I want to dig into it more because I think it's important, especially because it is right around Valentine's Day. We want to do all of the things for our relationship, but men aren't big hairy women. They are their own. They are their own. They're not their own species, but (laughs) they are their own gender. Right. Um, So how can we leverage this difference? Yeah, we've already covered that to some extent on let's, uh, let's stop dis you know, notice what is disrespectful in guy world and stop doing it. Um, So that would would be a big part of it. Stop doing it and show appreciation and respect. Even if you have to fake it a little bit at the beginning, it will start to come naturally. So, um, and what this does is it builds your man up, his masculine energy up, and it builds also your feminine energy up. And we need this masculine feminine um, dynamic, this polarity to increase the erotic energy in between us. Is that making sense? It does make sense. And, but I want to know more about this. I'm like, okay, so I've never really thought about it as erotic energy, but can you share more about that? Can you explain a little bit more about that? Cause now I'm curious. Yeah. What, what do women really want for the most part? We want to feel cherished, desired, seen, right? Beautiful. Am I, am I making sense? Oh Yeah. <laughs> And so if we are, you know, showing up like his mother or just looking at him as I'm, I'm the mother of your children, that's enough. Um, we're not showing up as our, our sweet, sexy selves. And we're not getting the kind of man that wants to please us, that's willing to like explore what's on the sexual menu that might turn his woman on, right? We have, we create an atmosphere um, 
with that by eliminating the criticism, the disrespect and things like that with safety so that our man feels more open because a man is a warrior. He will build a wall to protect himself mm-hmm. from you if needed, right? If it's, if the relationship is is unsafe and things like that. So how do we get this wall uh, down in our man so that he is this giving person like we want him to? How do we do it? We become his sweet, sexy girlfriend again. Oh, I like that. I like the idea of him needing to feel safe in there too. Cause I think as, as women, we feel like we want to feel safe in our relationship. We don't think about our, because I think oftentimes we think about the man being like the big, strong protector in the family and that he's just, he's going to keep us safe. Right. But he also needs to feel safe in the relationship to give to the relationship too. So I really like Absolutely. That. You know, I use my husband as a, he's, he's just a wonderful resource into guy world. He's been in the automotive industry his whole life. He's worked <laughs> with men his whole life. And he is so, he's very wise and he is so insightful into guy world. So I have other resources, obviously professional resources too, but then I frequently will ask him his opinion and I brought him in. He's been kind enough to do Facebook lives with me and my group. So I have a Facebook group called more intimacy in marriage for women. And it's about over 2000 women. And occasionally I'll bring my husband on a Facebook lives. I have to really love him up to get him to do this. It's not in his <laughs> nature to want to talk about this stuff. And he's kind of given away the keys to the kingdom of guy world in many ways, right? Because guy world is kind of protective emotionally. So he says in an interview uh, with him, uh, someone, people, women send me questions and he answers them. And he said something that was so revealing, which is, if you use some vulnerability, so women are, oh, let's face it, we're always wanting our men to be vulnerable with us, right? Come yes. on, we do, right? And it's not in man's nature, right? To go and talk about their feelings and share their feelings. We really have to have an atmosphere of trust. If we take these vulnerabilities and throw them back in his face during a fight, wow, we have caused such a setback that my husband has said, it may take months, years, or never Will he trust you to be vulnerable again? Never. Mm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Because, I mean, I think it is easier in general for women to be vulnerable than, I mean, I think you said that too, <laughs> than for women to be vulnerable than than men. And, and if yeah, you're, if you use powerful. his vulnerabilities, his weaknesses against him, he builds a wall. And, and yeah. when a man builds an emotional wall, he acts one of two ways, cold and distant, right? Emotionally unattached or nasty. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we don't think of it as being, or in my, you know, in my opinion, we don't think of it as being that big a deal because for us, it's easier for us to be vulnerable, but it it takes a lot more for men to be vulnerable. And then for them to share that and then us to use it against them. I can see that being a really big deal. Yeah. It's kryptonite to a man use, you know, throwing his weaknesses or uh, criticisms uh, about vulnerabilities against him is kryptonite. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. Oh my goodness. So many good things. <laughs> we have talked about so many powerful things. I This is going to help so many relationships, Debbie. This has been incredible. I want to talk more with you about the seven things that women need. I want to talk more of you, more about our sex lives and improving our sex lives, improving desire, improving female pleasure. And so we're going to do a part two, and we are going to talk more about that specifically. But for today's episode, to kind of wrap things up, 
I would love to know any advice that you have for the woman who's struggling in her relationship, any last pieces of advice for the woman who's struggling in her relationship. You, you've given us so many good pieces of information, but is there anything that we missed, anything that you want her to hear, any encouragement you want to give her? Well, I mean, the part about us being responsible for our own happiness is, is so important to, to understand. If you're not happy, what are you doing to make yourself happy? besides blaming your husband that you're not happy <laughs> or your kids or your situation or America or, you know, COVID or whatever it is, but what are you doing to make yourself happier? That would probably be the, the top thing. And because, and think of the, the goal, the value, when you start showing up happier and less stress, your whole family is going to thrive. Your husband will be more drawn towards you. So that would probably be the biggest takeaway. The second would be, I mean, if you can work with me, I am a coach. If this has been helpful to you, one, you know, imagine how helpful one-on-one coaching would be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. So where can my listeners connect with you then? That's my next question. How can they connect with you? How can they find you? Yeah, um, you're, on, you're on Facebook. We have a lively group where I post yeah. like tips like this every day. And um, it's called More Intimacy in, in Marriage for Women. And I focus on married women. Kristen, and there's a reason. None of these things, if you end up, do not get divorced. If you've got a decent guy, you are not going to find the solutions in the Tinderverse with a man who doesn't care about you and is not the father of your children. Please try to work it out with the man you are married to. I can only work with married women for that reason, because otherwise we cannot assume that the guy you're dating has a vested interest in your happiness, but your husband, he does. So don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. Look at what we have the power of so much to change the dynamics of the relationship. And I couldn't do this. I couldn't say, you know what? I'm going to coach men and how to make their wives happier. Every wife is different, <laughs> but most men are pretty simple. They want to be appreciated and respected by their women. They want you to be happy and in a good mood. And they want to have a strong, sexy, physical bond with you. If that sounds like your man, then that's what you need to do. And you will be his cherished woman. You will be his adored woman. Like I am, (laughs) I speak from experience. So that's what I wanted to say. You can look me up in my uh, website, moreintimacy.net. I offer a complimentary consultation where we explore your vision, your challenges, and see how the cherished woman program can help you get quickly to your goal. Mm, oh my gosh. So good. I I know that you are helping so many marriages out there and the work you do is so incredible. This has been so awesome and I can't wait to continue our conversation soon. So thank you, Debbie, so much for being on with me today. Yes. And we'll look, we'll do a little preview. What do women need for amazing lovemaking? Notice the, the, the article that I published in the American and family uh, therapist journal. Uh, I use the word lovemaking and I, uh, because I think that that's what most of us crave. We're not kinksters. We're not looking for polyamorous relationships and things like that, or what porn would have you believing is supposed to be sexy. Uh, We have to undo the porn mindset because I believe that most women want lovemaking, emotional connected lovemaking. So my, um, my journal paper and my program that called the sensuous woman program is what do women need? Knowledge, connection, worthiness, and confidence, time, embodiment, which is the ability to get out of our busy, busy heads and distraction and judgment and into our senses 
We need sexual fitness and we need creativity. So we will talk about that on the next podcast, but that was just a little preview. Awesome. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to keep talking. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.